Hello, friends. Do you have a your sanctuary? Is there something in your life, a place that you consider to be your sanctuary in a way that reflects how that phrase and how these images are used in the, in the video game Earthbound? One of my your sanctuaries is tied as much to time as to space, and I am speaking to you from it. It is the Jacqueline Kennedy... Onassis Reservoir in, uh, in Central Park in New York City, specifically the walking path that surrounds it, that acts as its circumference. Specifically, the walking path around the reservoir late at night, I would say at 10 p.m. or later, which is when I do enjoy walking around it, for I am lucky enough to live a short distance away from this walking path. Despite the fact that I live in a city of however many million people, and Central Park has a lot of these people in it when the sun is up and into the early evening, when I walk on this path late at night, I have an unbroken view, especially across the water, and especially to one of my most favorite views in the whole world, which is looking down at Midtown, all lit up so beautiful from north to, to south and frequently I come across nobody or very few people on the 30 to 40 minutes it takes me to walk around this entire artificial lake and for that moment though I can see lights on everywhere and I can hear the sounds of life urban life I can't see anybody and I feel like this wide swath of the city is all to myself and it feels pretty great and I come out here to think sometime sometimes I come out here and I talk to myself and that's just as well given the subject matter that I am about to launch into so during that episode Ryan needled me several times on topics like the phallic nature of snowmen and I deflected it and then when we were done recording, I started to talk about my ideas about the psychosexual imagery inherent in the Magicant stage of Earthbound, and all three of the show's permanent hosts were spoken a unanimous voice when they said, Jason, you're supposed to talk about that during the show. So I resolved, and I said so at the time, to record another walk and talk, much as I did on the bridge that connected Buda and Pest, the famous chain bridge in the city of Budapest. But now I'm walking around the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis Reservoir in the northern part of Central Park in New York City, my home, to tell you about the thoughts that I was too shy to bring up during the actual recording. But I did touch on them. And basically, I'm going to start at the end. With Ness's apotheosis, now, Earthbound is a fantastic story, and there's a literal, a literal read, which is about children who become godlike superheroes, and Ness especially becomes a demigod. But there is a reading that is just under the surface, which is that, really... The whole game, I believe the word for it is a Bildungsroman, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, 
Uh, but I think that's a fancy way of saying it's a coming-of-age story. And when Ness... So Ness, he's... I think it, we are unclear about his age, as we should be. I think during this episode, we... Uh, Ryan may have stated it was somewhere between 8 and 12, depending upon what sources you consult and who you ask. Um, but he is... He is a little boy who is racing towards adulthood and specifically the gate of puberty. And that's kind of what I see going on under the surface, specifically with the Magicant sequence and then his graduation, if you will, his very dramatic uh, evolution (laughs) that happens right after it. I think we did talk about that during the show. Um how he reflected upon his whole very short life from being a baby and uh, you know just living with his parents having no powers except maybe being able to push bottles around with his mind to really finding what his path is, what his purpose is though he be only 11 or whatever average depending upon who you ask and yeah so I think it is uh, I, th- I think his whole thing is a metaphor for just growing up, which is a thing that everybody fortunate enough <laughs> to, to, to get to that stage of life as a kid does. And part of that is a sexual awakening. And I don't think that there's a lot of that explicitly happening in the game. Yes, there are like the grownups um, in Tucson and other places that know both Ness and Paula like uh, are like, ah, puppy love romance, isn't that cute? And they encourage you to get together, whatever, smoochy, smoochy. Uh, that sounded more weird than I meant it to be. But no, they're, they're like, oh, isn't that cute? She's your girlfriend now, wah, wah. Um, but the, the actions of the, of the friends don't, don't back that up. So that is just, that is being put upon them by, by the adults around them. But in Ness's interiority, he does not see Paula when he dreams. He is, he is a, a little boy of a certain age, growing up fast, going through trials, heading towards an inevitable destination of young adulthood, teenagedom, whatever you want to call it, adolescence. There you go. And I think Magicant is full of the symbolism that... Um, validates this view that he's not just becoming a superhero he's not just making his 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 uh i almost said his pp i don't want to get there i don't want to go there listen he's not only making his side points total large um why why do i not want to go there because look listen my point is this he's not just making line no he's not (laughs) he's not just leveling up there okay He's not just becoming a stats master to fight the big boss. He is actually growing up. He has to be an adult. He has to be fully mature to win the boss fight at the end, which involves an act of supreme transcendence, right? And part of that involves going through this dreamscape, and that dreamscape has... All the people he knows, well, all the people that both he and the player know together in Jess's world, Jess, hi Jess, in Jess's world, 
Um, and also, I think, uh, just indicators that, like, yeah, he is becoming a young man. And a lot of that is these, like, confused and dreamlike and allegorical uh, pointers to, like, a little kid's understanding of sexuality and, the, and change, which is to say changes in their own body. It's very subtle. It's not played for laughs. It's certainly not played for titillation. Um, but it's there. And I will now eat my hat if the first stage of Magicant is not explicitly based on the glorious central pa panel of Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights, which we did get into in the recording. And I think I did get to use the word tumescent, and I'm very happy with that at least. Um, what I did not say that was in my notes I shared before the show, and I think Ryan really wanted to steer me into saying it, and I didn't, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it now, is that I really took notice, friends. I really took notice of how the vendor, the little meme NPC gray face guy uh, in one of the strange little houses in the first section. Um, <laughs> specifically says, oh, we only sell puddings and pendants here. And I was like, okay, all right. Like that, I don't know if that, how intentional that was, but I read that absolutely as referring to a child's confused uh, half-understanding of the mechanical aspects of human sexuality. And, and they're there, they're, and you can just pick them up. You can, you can use your, your, your space bucks to, to buy them and stuff them in your pockets, because what else are you going to do with them? I don't know. They're there, though. That's how I see it. They are there, and they serve the same pu purpose as those bulbous ripe, delicious, juicy vegetables that are all around you when you come to in the, the Boschian paradise that um, Magicant begins before you descend into the Boschian hellscape of French kisses of death. <laughs> hmm. Um, that's it. That's, that's really what I wanted to say. So, yes. And when I, uh, doing research for the episode... And I, again, I think I did get into this. Like, I, when I learned about uh, the, the original cut, the, the Japanese original release of Ness being naked, making the whole thing more dreamlike, if you ask me. Like, n sir, again, not titillating. I don't even, I would not call that overtly sexual, but it is about uh, being exposed and examining yourself and being open to examination in ways that you're absolutely not comfortable with. Um, and I see that all, all is a piece in the, in the, in the, in the same, in the same realm. Uh, I, this, this entire, this entire stage, and especially this early part of the stage, up through the last part, the dungeon encounters in between, you can take them or leave them, but I think it is about Ness's, um, very frank self-examination, and that includes his, his sexual maturity, because he is, he's growing up, he's going through puberty, and that's what's going on with his apotheosis at the end when he his numbers get so high that he breaks the little play school uh, hit point meter that he's been lugging around this whole game um, which he doesn't need to use very much for the rest of it because he's, he's about to graduate uh, that's it <laughs> I, think, I think that checks about all the boxes um, yeah so that's all I have to say to you tonight from 
Moonside. Yeah, it's new, Mr. McClough. Good night.